Chapter 8 of The Wolf Leader by Alexander Dumas, translated by Alfred Allenson, 1852-1929. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia. Chapter 8. Thibault's Wishes. The widow, on perceiving the effect which the sight of the soldiers advancing towards the mill had upon Landry, was almost as frightened as the lad himself. "'Ah, dear God!' she cried. "'What is the matter, my poor Landry?' "'Say, what is the matter?' asked Thibault in his turn. "'Alas!' replied Landry. "'Last Thursday, in a moment of despair, meeting the recruiting sergeant at the Dauphin Inn, I enlisted.' "'In a moment of despair?' exclaimed the mistress of the mill. "'And why were you in despair?' "'I was in despair,' said Landry, with a mighty effort. I was in despair because I love you. And it is because you loved me, unhappy boy, that you enlisted? Did you not say that you would turn me away from the mill? And have I turned you away? asked Madame Pollet with an expression which it was impossible to misinterpret. Ah, God, then you would not really have sent me away, asked Landry. Poor boy, said the mistress of the mill, with a smile and a pitying movement of the shoulders which at any other time would have made Landry almost die of joy, but as it was only doubled his distress. Perhaps even now I might have time to hide, he said. Hide, said Thibault. That will be of no use, I can tell you. And why not, said Madame Pollet. I am going to try anyhow. Come, dear Landry and she led the young man away with every mark of the most loving sympathy. Thibault followed them with his eyes. "'It's going badly for you, Thibault, my friend,' he said. "'Fortunately, let her hide him as cleverly as she may. They have a good scent and will find him out.' In saying this, Thibault was unconscious that he was giving utterance to a fresh wish. The widow had evidently not hidden Landry very far away, for she returned after a few seconds of absence, the hiding-place was probably all the safer for being near. She had scarcely had time to take breath when the recruiting sergeant and his companions appeared at the door. Two remained outside, no doubt to catch Landry if he should attempt to escape. The sergeant and the other soldier walked in with the confidence of men who are conscious of acting under authority. The sergeant cast a searching glance round the room, brought back his right foot into the third position, and lifted his hand to the peak of his cap. The mistress of the mill did not wait for the sergeant to address her, but with one of her most fascinating smiles asked him if he would like some refreshment, an offer which no recruiting sergeant is ever known to refuse. Then, thinking it a favorable moment to put the question, she asked them while they were drinking their wine what had brought them to Croyola Mill. The sergeant replied that he had come in search of a lad belonging to the mill who, after drinking with him to his majesty's health and signed his engagement, had not reappeared. The lad in question, interrogated as to his name and dwelling-place, had declared himself to be one Landry living with Madame Pollet, a widow and owner of the mill at Croyola. On the strength of this declaration he had now come to Madame Pollet, widow of Croyola Mill, to reclaim the defaulter. The widow, quite convinced that it was permissible to lie for a good cause, assured the sergeant that she knew nothing of Landry, nor had any one of that name ever been at the mill. 
the sergeant in reply said that madame had the finest eyes and the most charming mouth in the world but that was no reason why he should implicitly believe the glances of the one or the words of the other he was bound therefore he continued to ask the fair widow to allow him to search the mill the search was begun in about five minutes the sergeant came back into the room and asked madame Pollet for the key of her room the widow appeared very much surprised and shocked at such a request but the sergeant was so persistent and determined that at last she was forced to give up the key a minute or two later and the sergeant walked in again dragging landry and after him by the collar of his coat when the widow saw them both enter she turned deadly pale as for thibault his heart beat so violently that he thought it would burst for without the black wolf's assistance he was sure the sergeant would never have gone to look for landry where he had found him maha my good fellow cried the sergeant in a mocking voice so we prefer the service of beauty to the king's service that is easy to understand but when one has the good fortune to be born in his majesty's domains and to have drunk his health one has to give him a share of service when his turn comes so you must come along with us my fine fellow and after a few years in the king's uniform you can come back and serve under your old flag so now then march but cried the widow landry is not yet twenty and you have not the right to take him under twenty she is right added landry i am not yet twenty and when will you be twenty not until tomorrow good said the sergeant we will put you tonight on a bed of straw like a meddler and by tomorrow at daybreak when we wake you up you will be ripe landry wept the widow prayed pleaded implored allowed herself to be kissed by the soldiers patiently endured the coarse pleasantry excited by her sorrow and at last offered a hundred crowns to buy him off but all was of no avail landry's wrists were bound and then one of the soldiers taking hold of the end of the cord the party started off but not before the lad of the mill had found time to assure his dear mistress that far or near he would always love her and that if he died her name would be the last upon his lips the beautiful widow on her side had lost all thought of the world's opinion in face of this great catastrophe and before he was led away she clasped landry to her heart in a tender embrace when the little party had disappeared behind the willows and she lost sight of them the widow's distress became so overpowering that she became insensible and had to be carried and laid on her bed thibault lavished upon her the most devoted attention he was somewhat taken aback at the strong feeling of affection which the widow evinced for his cousin however as this only made him applaud himself the more for having cut at the root of the evil he still cherished the most sanguine hopes on coming to herself the first name the widow uttered was that of landry to which thibault replied with a hypocritical gesture of commiseration then the mistress of the mill began to sob poor lad she cried while the hot tears flowed down her cheeks what will become of him so weak and delicate as he is the mere weight of his gun and knapsack will kill him then turning to her guests she continued ah monsieur thibault this is a terrible trouble to me for you no doubt have perceived that i love him he was gentle he was kind he had no faults he was not a gambler nor a drinker he would never have opposed my wishes would never have tyrannized over his wife and that would have there seemed very sweet to me after the two cruel years that i lived with the late monsieur Paulet. ah monsieur thibault monsieur thibault 
it is a sad grief indeed for a poor miserable woman to see all her anticipations of future happiness and peace thus suddenly swallowed up thibault thought this would be a good moment to declare himself whenever he saw a woman crying he immediately thought most erroneously that she only cried because she wished to be consoled he decided however that he would not be able to attain his object without a certain circumlocution indeed he answered i quite understand your sorrow nay more than that i share it with you for you cannot doubt the affection i bear my cousin but we must resign ourselves and without wishing to deny landry's good qualities i would still ask you madame to find someone else who is his equal his equal exclaimed the widow there is no such person where shall i find so nice and so good a youth it was a pleasure to me to look at his smooth young face and with it all he was so self-composed so steady in his habits he was working night and day and yet i could with a glance make him shrink away and hide no no monsieur thibault i tell you frankly the remembrance of him will prevent me ever wishing to look at another man and i know that i must resign myself to remaining a widow for the rest of my life phew said thibault but landry was very young there is no disadvantage in that replied the widow but who knows if he would always have retained his good qualities take my advice madame do not grieve any more but as i say look out for someone who will make you forget him what you really need is not a baby face like that but a grown man possessing all the qualities that you admire and regret in landry but at the same time sufficiently mature to prevent the chance of finding one fine day that all your illusions are dispersed and that you are left face to face with a libertine and a bully the mistress of the mill shook her head but thibault went on in short what you need is a man who while earning your respect will at the same time make the mill work profitably you have but to say the word and you would not have to wait long before you found yourself well provided for my fair madame a good bit better than you were just now and where am i to find this miracle of a man asked the widow as she rose to her feet looking defiantly at the shoemaker as if throwing down a challenge the latter mistaking the tone in which these last words were said thought an excellent occasion to make known his own proposals and accordingly hastened to profit by it well i confess he answered that when i said that a handsome widow like you would not have to go far before finding the man who would be just the very husband for her i was thinking of myself for i should reckon myself fortunate and should feel proud to call myself your husband ah i assure you he went on while the mistress of the mill stood looking at him with ever-increasing displeasure in her eyes i assure you that with me you would have no occasion to fear any opposition to your wishes i am a perfect lamb in the way of gentleness and i should have but one law and one desire my law would be to obey you and my desire to please you and as to your fortune i have means of adding to it which i will make known to you later on but the end of thibault's sentence remained unspoken what cried the widow whose fury was the greater for having been kept in check until then what you whom i thought my friend you dare to speak of replacing him in my heart you try to dissuade me from keeping my faith to your cousin get out of the place you worthless scoundrel out of the place i say or i will not answer for the consequences 
I have a good mind to get four of my men to collar you and throw you under the mill whale. Thibault was anxious to make some sort of response, but although ready with an answer on ordinary occasions, he could not for the moment think of a single word whereby to justify himself. True, Madame Pollet gave him no time to think, but seizing hold of a beautiful new jug that stood near her, she flung it at Thibault's head. Luckily for him, Thibault dodged to the left and escaped the missile, which flew past him, crashing to pieces against the chimney-piece. Then the mistress of the house took up a stool and aimed it at him with equal violence. This time Thibault dodged to the right, and the stool went against the window, smashing two or three panes of glass. At the sound of the falling glass, all the youths and maids of the mill came running up. They found their mistress flinging bottles, water jugs, salt cellars, plates, everything in short that came to hand with all her might at Thibault's head. Fortunately for him, Widow Pollet was too much incensed to be able to speak. If she had been able to do so, she would have called out, Kill him! Strangle him! Kill the rascal, the scoundrel, the villain! On seeing the reinforcements arriving to help the widow, Thibault endeavored to escape by the door that had been left open by the recruiting party. But just as he was running out, the good pig that we saw taking its siesta in the sun, being roused out of its first sleep by all this hullabaloo, and thinking the farm people were after it, made a dash for its sty, and in doing so, charged right against Thibault's legs. The latter lost his balance and went rolling over and over for a good ten paces in the dirt and slush. "'Devil take you, you beast!' cried the shoemaker, bruised by his fall, but even more furious at seeing his new clothes covered with mud. The wish was hardly out of his mouth when the pig was suddenly taken with a fit of frenzy, and began rushing about the farmyard like a mad animal, breaking, shattering, and turning over everything that came in its way. The farmhands, who had run to their mistress on hearing her cries, thought the pig's behavior was the cause of them, and started off in pursuit of the animal. But it eluded all their attempts to seize hold of it, knocking over boys and girls that it had knocked Thibault over, until at last, coming to where the mill was separated from the sluice by a wooden partition, it crashed through the ladder as easily as if it were made of paper, threw itself under the mill-wheel, and disappeared as if sucked down by a whirlpool. The mistress of the mill had by this time recovered her speech. "'Lay hold of Thibault!' she cried, for she had heard Thibault's curse, and had been amazed and horrified at the instantaneous way in which it had worked. "'Lay hold of him! Knock him down! He is a wizard, a sorcerer, a werewolf!' applying to thibault with this last word one of the most terrible epithets that can be given to a man in our forest lands thibault who scarcely knew where he was seeing the momentary stupefaction which took possession of the farm people on hearing their mistress's final invective made use of the opportunity to dash past them and while one went to get a pitchfork and another a spade he darted through the farmyard gate and began running up an almost perpendicular hillside at full speed with an ease which only confirmed madame Pollet's suspicions for the hill had always hitherto been looked upon as absolutely inaccessible at any rate by the way thibault had chosen to climb it what she cried what you give in like that you should make after him and seize hold of him and knock him down but the farm servants shook their heads ah madame they said what is the use? What can we do against a werewolf? End of chapter 8 Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia